All right. Hello, everyone. Thank you so much for tuning in to this electrifying episode of the Geek Garage podcast. I'm your host, David, as per usual, and join with me is my wonderful wife and co-host, Lindsay. How are you doing, Lindsay? Pretty good. Yeah? Yeah. Uh, you excited about today's topic? Our anniversary? <laughs> it is our anniversary. Um, yeah, I, I guess. Yeah. Uh, happy anniversary. Thank you. Happy yeah. anniversary to you. Yeah, thanks. Um, it's been, <laughs> we're, we are, uh, uh, combined, even combined, we are still pretty shitty at math. We were laying in bed this morning and, uh, we were trying to figure it out and we were like 12 years, right? Yeah. And then like today at dinner, I was like, wait, I think it's 13 years. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so yes, uh, we, we did do the math and it is 13 years. Um, and, uh, yeah, it's been interesting to say the least yes um even more interesting with kids yes uh so yeah but it's it's been good um so yeah uh, for the most part you know um i think the uh the old uh axiom house divided cannot stand <laughs> that is uh that is us in a nutshell i mean I'm, I'm not saying it's one of those like hey we've only stayed together because it this whole situation would fall apart otherwise but um yeah it's uh we we definitely have found unorthodox ways to to do the whole teamwork makes the dream work thing yes yes yeah over time it's become clear that some of us are better at some tasks than others Mm -hmm. yeah (laughs) Uh, so we we definitely complement each other in in good ways and then in other ways we we both suck at certain things we enable each other (laughs) (laughs) maybe a little um but you know i i think that's every relationship to a certain extent you know for sure uh you know every relationship is is gonna have like you know, uh, one person wants to buy something relatively expensive that they shouldn't be spending that money on. And uh, instead of the other person saying, hey, you don't really need that. Or like, why don't you save your money over a period of time? Uh, they will instead say, fuck it, buy it. What's the worst that could happen? And uh, yeah. yeah. You know, we're still here. Yeah. <laughs> and we and we we can, you know, we're a little bit better off than... We were when we first got married, so yeah. financially speaking. Yeah, we're moving on up. Yeah. Slowly but surely. Slowly but surely, yeah. But anyways, um, I'm sure listeners didn't tune in to, to hear uh, the lifestyles of the, the married and millennial. <laughs> so, uh, but yeah, so today we are here to talk about uh, the Midnight Club, which uh, as of this recording, um, has been out for about a week or so, right? I think a couple weeks now. Right? Uh, I I think it's I think it's only been out about a week. Like it came out last Friday. I think it was okay. The seventh. Uh, yeah. The um, okay. I uh, could be right. It could be two weeks. Uh, I don't. I don't know. Um, no, yeah, it, it, it was the seventh. Um, yeah, yeah, it was the seventh. You're right. Um, so yeah, uh, we we were definitely looking for you know spooky topics to to cover on the podcast this month. 
Um, but the, the challenge is that I am super into horror and I like everything, um, from the super macabre and fucked up to, you know, psychological thrillers and Lindsay, you know, you, you're not as, uh, enthralled with, um, I just like a really good story. Mm-hmm. Like if it's going to be scary, then it better have a good story. And I prefer like less gore. Right. Like I used to love the walking dead, but as it got further and further along it was like their main goal was just to make everything just super gory Mm -hmm. and right it just i mean you know i was there for the characters and the story not necessarily like a bunch of zombie gore so yeah uh yeah don't even get me started on the walking dead they they just they played it played it out they uh, that series should have ended like four years ago honestly like it it shouldn't have gone to what is it like 11 or 12 seasons i think there's like 11 seasons like i only watched the first part of season 11 i'm trying to finish the second part and Mm -hmm. then there's supposed to be like two movies or something yeah that's supposed to be like season 12 sort of right i'm I'm not exactly sure i'm sure that's wrong but something like that yeah no that that sounds right and weren't they were they talking about bringing back uh, what's his name? Rick. Yeah. Okay. Yep. That's what they're saying oh, is going to happen. Thank God. <laughs> yeah. Um, well, it'd be nice if they ended with like one or two characters from the first season. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I suppose that makes sense. Uh, but anyways, so uh, this this episode will be pretty interesting because like we uh, w- there's no notes in front of us. There's just recording devices, my microphone and our Zoom recorder. Uh, <laughs> and I looked up a little bit of trivia uh, for the, uh, the Midnight Club on IMDb before mm-hmm. this. Of course, it's only been out a week and a few days, so there's really not much there. Um, but. Yeah, so this is just going to be, you know, a free-flowing conversation, uh, just talking about our thoughts and feelings and um, and whatnot on the show. Uh, it will be spoiler-filled. Um, we'll, we'll try and do some spoiler-free stuff at, uh, at the top. We will? Um, I'm not yeah. good at spoiler-free stuff. Okay, I mean, well... I've seen it, so... Yeah, so... No guarantees. Okay, so spoiler-free... Uh, the Midnight Club is about, it's basically a hospice, um, but it's a... For teens. It's a hospice for teens, and it's um, it's actually the, the most interesting part of the trivia I found. It's the same house that they use for lock and key. Um, oh. Netflix built this house, uh, and I guess they just redecorate it and... Inside and out uh, for for different shows. Uh, I'm not sure exactly how many other shows uh, and movies have uh, that have utilized this this show. But I mean, that's that's actually a smart move. Like if they can find a way to make it not um, look so similar, like to to you know a house that you be like, oh, like right away you can tell it's you know a house from another show, then. Uh, you know, that's, that's pretty cool. Um, and, and very resourceful, but yeah, these, so these teens, they, uh, uh, are young adults. They are, um, they're in this hospice, uh, for various, uh, diseases and terminal illnesses. Some have cancer. I'd say most have cancer, right? And then yeah. there's a guy with AIDS. Um, this is a, 
quote unquote period piece, uh, as in like it takes place in the like the mid to late nineties. Yeah, um, I think ninety three or ninety four. It starts in ninety four, but then it kind of fast forwards a year or so, right? Because she gets. Um, so I mean, this isn't much of a spoiler, but our main character uh, Alanka, she gets diagnosed um, the the first episode. And then I, I think it, it kind of flash forwards a year or so, it, uh, or may, at least six months into her treatment. And, it, you know, nothing's working. And um, so she starts researching, like, I, I don't know how she, she comes across, you know, the website for, uh, for uh, the... Um, uh, Brightcliff? Yeah, thank you. Um, yeah. For, for Brightcliff. And... Um, she just she thinks it's cool, so uh, she convinces her dad uh, to to let her go. He's of course very apprehensive because this is uh, her adopted daughter, and she's wanting to basically spend the rest of her days uh, away from him. Um, so I can imagine that that would probably hurt a little bit, uh, but she gets there. She meets everyone. Some are nicer than others. And uh, she comes to find out that there is a midnight club where all the kids sneak out at night and they tell each other spooky stories. Um, And some kids experience spooky things that go bump in the night. Others don't. Uh, I think that's about it. That uh, as far as a spoiler free synopsis goes, um, there's really not much else we could uh, say uh, before getting into you know, uh, we're going to ruin all of this for you. So, um, so yeah, uh, Lindsay, what's, what are your, uh, what were your general thoughts and feelings, uh, about Midnight Club? Um, well, it's a really good story, mm-hmm. uh, both in the stories that they tell and, um, the story of the actual characters. Um, there are some sad parts, which, you know, ever since I've had Duh. kids, like, yeah, it's e- it's easy to make me cry. Um, but uh, yeah, I, I I enjoyed it. It was a good good story. Um, a lot of like jump scares, which I really don't mind that kind of thing, um, especially when it's done really well and like the makeup and the costumes are really cool, um, which they right. were. Mm-hmm. Um, like I said, and there wasn't a whole lot of gore or anything. This is kind of a teen, uh, young adult <clears throat> type uh, novel that it's based on. Right. Yeah. Um, it is. It's based on the uh, the the book uh, and story or stories uh, by Christopher Pike, uh, and it is uh, written and directed or written by Mike Flanagan um, and. Uh, Leah Fong uh, and Christopher Pike, I think, is credited for at least a, a executive producer. And then, um, as far as directors go, we have uh, I, th- I think I'm not sure if I'm pronouncing her name correctly. Axel Car- Carolyn, uh, Michael Filmingari, uh, and Mike Flanagan. He did uh, a couple episodes, um, and there's a couple other directors in here, um, but. I think they did a pretty good job. You know, it's it's always uh, kind of a, an interesting toss-up, I guess, uh, when you have a show like this uh, where you have multiple directors coming in. 
um, to. Well, I mean, I think most shows operate like that. I mean, that have different directors for each episode. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I uh, I'm glad you enjoyed it. I did too. I I really liked it. It's definitely not my favorite work by Flanagan, but it's you know it, it's also not like solely his. Like this, I feel like this was more of a collaboration between because like his previous work you know he was either the main director uh or the sole director for for either his movies or his uh his you know netflix series that he's done like midnight mass and haunting of bly manor haunting of hill house so i i feel like this is more of a collaboration and it definitely shows uh i mean it of course the source material it's a young adult um that's a that's a big big uh heads up I, I guess um going in if um if you haven't seen it yet and you're still listening um it is young adults i i i picked up on that pretty quickly but um if you're not familiar that uh on the source material that this show is based on uh but yeah i i really liked it i um i felt like the ending was pretty open ended like they could potentially do another season from what i've read um it looks like they are looking at doing another season yeah so whether or not it will be completely different kids Mm -hmm. or continuing on the storylines of some of the others um and just continuing on in the same like house right i don't know but yeah um yeah we'll see um Let's see. So, um, let's uh, let's talk about let's talk about some of the characters. Um, did you did you have a favorite? I, I probably can guess who your favorite was. If if you do have a favorite, mm. well, actually, Sandra, I thought was going to get on my nerves a lot because she's like uber Christian and. Um, but she actually kind of came around and was a um, pretty loyal friend and was really trying to stick by her faith, which I can respect, and mm-hmm. also um, help her friends yeah. in the best way she thought she could. So I thought that was pretty cool. Yeah. Um, also, I think her name is Cherie, the rich girl. Um, oh, the, uh, yeah, Adia. Adia is her uh, name. Uh, the uh, her character's name is Shuri, but yeah, her her name oh, is okay. uh, her, <laughs> the actor's name. <laughs> that is doesn't seem right. Adia, yeah. Um, I thought she was like awesome. Yeah, I um, loved her because um, she'd really been handed kind of a shitty hand as all of them have, but she was like really awesome and generous mm-hmm. and um. Yeah, like her parents, uh, or uh, was it just her mom that she had? Or uh, she? Ta- no, I think about her mom and her dad because when she gave the PlayStation away, she said that her dad was in Japan right now. That's right. Yeah. Um, yeah. Her her parents are you know um, the 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 rich type, the involved type. I think her mom was like a uh, was in the the film business. And so that's how she was able to, like, she got a wig for uh, Alonka, um, which was super nice. 
Um, and then she, like you said, she got that PlayStation for a mesh, uh, a mesh. Yeah. Yeah. And he was also another character that I really liked. Yeah. Um, because he just came from a different background and I think it was kind of cool that they were showing a little bit of that. Mm -hmm. Um, like his parents were actually deported and they were trying to get them back in the country in time before he passed. And yeah, I mean, talking about like a real, like struggle and dilemma um on everybody's account but um yeah i mean he was just a cool character i liked him a lot yeah yeah me too i i liked i liked all the characters i really i if i had to pick a favorite um it might be spencer uh i don't know they're, they're all great but i i really liked spencer um Maybe because, you know, his, uh, you know, his uh, diagnosis and, and situation was a bit different from everyone else's. So the, the struggles that he went to uh, went or, or was going through stood out to me a little bit more. I um, also liked his stories and we'll get into the this all the, you know, the stories and tales that they told in the Midnight Club uh, here uh, briefly uh, or shortly. But um, um and so um, I also um, liked Anya, of course. Yeah, that, that was my guess. Uh, if you had um, a favorite, I was going to say. I don't know if she was 100% my favorite, but I really loved how, like, protective she was of all the others. And, mm-hmm. like, yeah, she was kind of a bitch at times, but she um, was really being loyal and she was just laying down the facts of, mm-hmm. like, how it is. And I can really understand that because, like, um, I interact with more people, I think on a daily basis with our kids and I really hate it when I hear stuff like, you know, if I tell them, oh, well, they, you know, they have autism and people are like, oh, I'm so sorry. Oh, both of them. <laughs> <laughs> and it's just really, it's not a fucking terminal diagnosis. Yeah. Um, and even though their diagnosis is, were terminal, mm-hmm. like, you know, Anya was just very clear, like get the sympathy out of your mouth like it's just yeah not you know this is not the place for it because obviously a lot of them came to Brightcliff because they didn't want to have to look at their relatives every day with all this like sadness and regret and all this in their eyes every day you know they wanted to experience a little bit of life on their own yeah um you know as you know young adults that you know, they might not get otherwise. Yeah. The the so, actual idea of Brightcliff is pretty fucking genius. Um, I, I'm, I'm curious to, to learn if there's anything out there like that. I'm, I got to imagine that there is, right? I'd, maybe. Like, I, I feel like there should be. Uh, or maybe there soon will be <laughs> because of, uh, of the show. But, I mean, like, it, you know, it's it's tough. Like... You know, especially if you're a parent, you know, but just like you said, um, you know, they're, these kids are terminal. They only, you know, some have months, some have maybe a year, some maybe have one or two years, uh, and they deserve to be able to experience life on their own and live a somewhat normal, like life on their own before, you know they kick the bucket yeah 
And it's not like any of them are saying like, oh, I don't want my family around or I don't want to see my family. They have like family days and stuff. Yeah. Um, It seemed like they had those pretty often too. I'm thinking at least once a week. Oh, you think it was that often? Yeah. I was thinking maybe like once a month or once every like two months or a quarter. But I, I mean, it. you could be right. It could have been more often than that. But I, I don't know. Whatever. doesn't matter. It just seemed like these events happened fairly close together. Mm-hmm. Like if you start looking at the story and they had several family days during right. this. So I would imagine it had to be at least once a week. Yeah. Yeah, um, for sure. So. So as as far as characters, uh, oh, we we should talk about um, some of the older uh, older actors. We mostly talked about the kids. So there's um, Samantha Sloyan, who's uh, been in a bunch of Flanagan works. Like she was the uh, the the stuffy nun in Midnight Mass, um, <laughs> but she's you know she's kind of sort of cool in this up until the end when it turns out that she's not so cool. Um, and then Zach Guilford, he was also in Midnight Mass. He was the... Uh, the nurse. Uh, yeah, yeah, he's the nurse in Midnight Club. Uh, but in Midnight Mass, he was... He's the, you know, the main protagonist. Yeah. Um, and then uh, big, big OG Heather Langenkamp, um, who played... Was it Nancy in uh, the original Nightmare on Elm Street? Um, but she was Dr. Uh, Georgina Stanton. Um, so, uh, yeah. Uh, that's, I think that's that's pretty much it as far as, uh, you know, the, the recurring adults. Um, Robert uh, Longstreet, uh, who was the, he's just credited as janitor. Um, he was the... <laughs> He, he kind of had a little bit of a creepy vibe to him, you know, with like the fluffing the pillows and the, the tucking of the sheets and stuff. Like yeah. it, he just had that, you know what I'm talking about? Yeah. Oh, definitely. I expected him to totally be like, oh yeah, I'm part of this cult and I'm a murderer. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, but you know, he, he, it turns out he only, he, I think he was maybe in two or three scenes um, and very short, but you know, he's just in there and like, you know, he kind of getting this creepy vibe at first, but then he drops like a couple nuggets of wisdom. Um, but he's also, he was, um, Mr. Dudley in The Haunting of Hill House, and he was, um, oh, what's his name? I can't remember his name, for, or uh, Joe Colley from Midnight Mass. He's the, the drunk that um, he had his dog poisoned. Mm. Um, sorry, <laughs> those are all spoilers for Midnight Mass, my bad. Um, but uh, yeah, he, he did great as always. It was super weird seeing him without a beard, because usually he's got a beard in most of the stuff that, that he does. Um, yeah, and then, uh, Igby Rigney as, uh, Kevin, um, who, uh, you know, um, (laughs) that's cool. The, um, William B. Davis, do you know who he's from? Uh, let's see. Hold on. We, I think we both have IMDB up, um, William B. Davis, uh, mirror man. Um, no. I uh oh is he's not the the smoke man is he the cigarette smoking man yeah from yeah the uh, I saw yes. his picture and I was like 
wait, wait a second. <laughs> yeah, he just looked really familiar, and I clicked on it, and I was like, yes, I'm right. Okay, I'm usually not right. I don't do well with names or faces, so. Yeah, that's that's pretty good. Good job. Um, <laughs> I suck at that, but I was like, wait a minute. I do love me some X-Files. Yeah, so. we, we, need to, we need to get on that. Now that you're officially on the podcast as an official co-host, we, we need to... Um, we need to do some X Files episodes. Uh, I I don't know how we loop that in, but maybe we could do uh, uh, similar to the the MCU rewatch and <laughs> <laughs> just do a total X Files rewatch. Um, we could. It would be pretty long lasting, but yeah, we could. It, it could, but it would keep us flush with content for a while. This is true. Yeah. Um, yeah, that's, that's cool. Um, I'm surprised that I recognized him cause you know, you're, you're big into X-Files and I, I kind of watched it when it was on, uh, you know, growing up. Uh, but I, I never like you owned all the DVDs and I, you know, I just watched it casually. Um, but anyways, uh, so, so yeah, that's, that's pretty much all the characters. Um, do, uh, you, you want to touch on... You want to touch on some of the, the stories that they told or maybe... Some, I figured oh. you would be better at that because okay. I'm going to get confused on which characters told which stories because right. they, the characters telling the stories also played roles in the stories mm-hmm. and yeah. so like I'm going to get it all confused. Yeah, that was... Um, uh, yeah, that's one thing to note uh, if, if you're still listening and haven't uh, watched the show. Uh, the the listener or the um, when they all go to Midnight Club, they each tell a story, or you know, they basically it's a volunteer basis, I think, and they'll tell a story, and then you know, it's not you're not watching that person narrate; it's actually you know uh, unfolding. Uh, and all the, the characters are also characters from the, you know, the Midnight Mass show or Midnight Club show. (laughs) God, I knew that was going to happen. Um, but yeah, so I I think the first one is, uh, is Spencer's story, which isn't too comprehensive. I I think it was just to kind of get us going with, you know, a, a story, but, uh, it's, it's kind of a funny start. Uh, you know, like it's him walking home alone at night, but all of a sudden, like he doesn't uh, know like where he's at, and it's it apparently broke the Guinness Book of World Records uh, for jump scares, like in a certain p- period of time, like in an hour show or something like that. I, I can't remember which record it broke, but it's a shit ton of jump scares. It's like twenty one, I think, or something. It's it's a lot. Um, but it's it, it's like a comical effect. It, it's not like, you know, hey, we're, you know, we're only going to rely on jump scares for this, you know, spooky tale. You're right. So so yeah, his was good. Um, and then you know the since so the, can you like recap like what happened during the story like re recap that I honestly I I can't really remember too much about that one. Okay. Um. I just remember he was like walking home either from school or something like that. And, and all of a sudden it was like dark and he didn't know where he was. Um, but, uh, you know, um, here, I'm going to pause it for a second. 
Um, so yeah, uh, the I think what's more notable, uh, uh, so that was the first story in the first episode. The more notable of the stories in the first episode is Alonka's. You know, she volunteers, yes. and they're like, "Hey, you know, hey, new girl, like, you know, show us what you got." And she tells the uh, like a um, uh, you know somewhat true, somewhat not true version of Julia Jane, um, who uh, reportedly um, I don't I don't want to say escaped, but she what would you call it? She she was a, a missing person for like a week or so. Yeah, she supposedly went on a hike. Um, and then was never came back. No, she was missing. The story goes that she was missing for a week. And then when she came back, uh, of course they, you know, monitor the kids to make sure they're still terminal every six months or so to make sure they can continue to stay in the, um, in the house in Brightcliff. And it turns out that she was like completely cured. Yeah. Like spontaneous remission, I think they call it. Mm-hmm. So, um, uh, Elanka is really stuck on this story. And it's part of the reason why she wanted to come to Brightcliff is she's convinced that there's some magical property that might be able to save her. Right. She also found some other shady business about a possible cult that was there even before Julia Jane. Mm-hmm. It's, Yeah. It's a lot. <laughs> yeah. Uh, which is why I wouldn't be surprised if they end up green lighting a, a second season. Yeah. I mean, they definitely have some material to work with. So, right. yeah. Um, uh, but yeah, so she, she basically tells a mostly true story about Julia Jane. I, I can't remember which details she uh, embellished on, but there I think she said that maybe she was gone for a few months and then that's right in real life. She was only gone for a week. Yeah. Yeah. That's, that um, sounds right. And, um, yeah, that was pretty much it. Yeah. Um, the, the second episode, uh, that was called the two, the two Danas. And I, I liked that one. That was, it was pretty heartbreaking. Uh, that was, uh, that was Anya's story. Um, where she talks about uh, the uh, the two Danas. Uh, basically, uh, she uh, the devil makes a, a, a what do you call it a, a deal. She, there's a deal with the devil, yes. uh, and she she says you can the, you can have basically two of you, where one of you can, you know attempt to be the the prima ballerina in this you know outfit that she's trying to to you know be in and but she also wants to like go out and party and go to raves and get wasted and stuff and so the devil grants her this wish and um at first it's going great right you know like it's it's the best of both worlds and (laughs) It's, you know, we have that funny scene where uh, she is having sex for the first time, basically. And the, uh, that's the, you know, the, I guess you want to call The rebel Dana. The rebel Dana. Dana 2. Yeah, Dana 2. And then the original Dana is sitting in between her two parents on the couch. 
like watching a movie and eating popcorn, you know, all uh, Beaver Cleaver style and uh, or leave it to Beaver. And uh, <laughs> all of a sudden she's, uh, you know, they can feel, you know, what the other person is doing. And so, you know, it's it's all happy go lucky and hunky dory at first, but then shit starts to go sideways when Dana two starts to experiment with hard drugs and heroin and uh you know just goes off the rails and it starts like it, it ruins Dana one. You know, yeah. uh like it uh, the 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 moment that Dana two injects heroin that's the exact moment where Dana one is has her like big uh, audition uh, for for the ballerina performance or whatever, and she messes up. She breaks her leg, or, or was it her leg or her ankle? Um, I, I think it might have been her. I, I can't remember. I don't know. Um, but yeah, this that's that's kind of the the first little thing we see of the whole broken foot, ankle, leg situation uh with uh, especially as it ties into the ballerina and as it ties into the overarching theme of uh why they have the midnight club is so that if uh anyone passes away and it turns out that there is an other side where you're a ghost or spirit and you can reach out to the, you know, the, the land of the living, the remaining members of the club, right. That they have, uh, I don't know if they use the word obligation, but they, you know, they, they, they're basically making a pact that when you die, you're going to do everything in your power to try to leave a message or to reach out to the others to let them know, you know, what's up like yeah what's on the other side is it okay or what right so yeah for sure um and then in episode three the story that gets told uh is um let's see uh, oh yeah so this is the the story where um that Kevin begins with the the serial killer stuff. Apparently, it's an ongoing story. It's not the the first. It's it's an ongoing thing that he's been doing. But you want to talk a little bit about that one? Um, so um, there's a serial killer. It's a young guy, and he's kind of it's being controlled by like this generation of urges. Mm-hmm. I don't know if they're trying to hint that it's really some kind of spirit or if they're saying it's like honestly genetic, like, yeah, I I think that's the thing. Like they, they, um, you know, that's the battle is like, you know, is is this, uh, is this a genetically passed down, you know, or are we, are there spirits controlling us? Right. So apparently his grandfather, um, Never got caught, uh, killed people, um, buried them in this cave. Um, as soon as he got too old um, to no longer be able to kill people anymore, it passed down to Kevin's mother. Mm-hmm. Or, yeah. Well, whatever his name is in the story, it wasn't Kevin. Um, so it passed down to his mother, 
And then um, she had a stroke, apparently, and then she could no longer, like, kill people anymore. So it's been passed down to Kevin. And so, like, um, he can see all the spirits of the people who have been killed. And his mother, like, gives him a name, who, which, keep in mind, she can't speak anymore. Yeah. Except for when she's giving him a name of, like, who to kill next. So. Right. And it's usually girls from school. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, um, this uh, this episode right here is where uh, I, I really uh, like I I really got hooked into the show um, because it's you know the the overall theme of the the series is you know pretty consistent and uh, you know it, it's um, you know a, a little bit more um, heady uh, and. And whatnot, but you know, there's in in horror, there's all different kinds of subgenres. You know, you have slashers, you have you know spirits and hauntings and ghosts and uh, possessions and whatnot. Uh, you have you know gory stuff. You have jump scare type stuff. You know, it's the the subgenres within horror are endless. And that's what's really cool about all the stories that they tell is that they all span these different subgenres. And, you know, for lack of uh, better words, I guess uh, Kevin's is like the slasher genre, right? I mean, it's granted he uses a hammer. Um, I'd say his stories are probably the most graphic. Would you agree? Um, yeah, yeah. Um, both with like the spirits that he sees and um with the actual violence that mm-hmm. he's inflicting on others yeah it's uh i mean it's definitely more of a um i don't know like it's not gory but you're like oh he just did that <laughs> like it's you know kind of messed yeah, up yeah that was a smack she's not recovering from <laughs> yeah the whole like covering them with a uh, a towel covering their face with a towel and then just hitting them in the head with a, a hammer uh and then there's that one the second story i think he tells where you know he goes to kill that one girl and her uh, the the girl's brother here hears and he comes in and he's like shit no i gotta kill this kid um so yeah his his story i i liked i liked how it was recurring um how he came back to it and you know he's He's like, y'all got to, you just got to stay alive in order to, to hear the ending. So that was really fun how he kind of, you know, teased throughout the the series. Yes. Um, yeah. So in uh, in the fourth episode, we get the, the Detective Noir episode, which was pretty cool. Um, it might have been my least favorite, um, which is kind of weird because I, I usually like noir thriller horror stuff. Uh, especially since this was uh, in black and white. I think it was even in a uh, 4-3 aspect ratio, like the square, yeah. which was kind of cool. Um, so, yeah, that, that was fun. Uh, in the, the fifth episode, uh, See You Later, uh, that was... Um, oh, yeah, th- uh, this was a... I mean, it was definitely a horror type story but it felt more like black mirror than anything did, did you get that vibe from this story where uh the the video game one the unbeatable video game yeah and um 
Yeah. Uh, and she turns it into like angel porn at the end. Uh, yeah. 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 I, I think that's what happens. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. They're, they're teasing her the entire uh, series up until now. And he's like, not with the angel porn again. And then. Like, no, I think. I think. Um, wasn't it Sandra that. Oh, Sandra. She uh, finally tells a story. I think it's later on. She tells a story that ends with like angels or someone tells a story with angels and it like actually works out. That's this one, the video game one, because remember they go up into the spaceship and then they get the bright lights. Right. And she's asleep. Yes. Yeah. Yes. Right. Um, Yeah, that was that was pretty funny. Uh, But it wasn't Sandra telling the story. It was uh, right. Yeah, it was um, a mesh, right? Yeah, it was a mesh. Um, of course, because he's the the video game guy. Yeah, I really liked his story. It, it was kind of a, you know, like I said, it was it's still horror, but it's it, it was a breakaway from like, you know, the everything else that we've gotten that's either spiritual. Or it was very uh, sci-fi, time travel-y, mm-hmm. um, you know, horror, and that you're, you know, this is dystopian future is happening because you made it <laughs> yeah, right yeah yeah definitely so uh episode six uh has alonka telling her story about the the modern day witch um you know she uh, it, with the uh, the scrying um that yes. gets passed down from her mom she's like hey you have it too just you know i'll, I'll show you how it works and um and she also continues this one yeah, yeah, this is another recurring one um, that pays off dividends and makes you break off your or break out your box of tissues because it gets real fucking sad at the end. Yeah, but not until later. Yeah. Last episode. Yeah, but you know, this this story is basically showing her like, hey, you can predict the future in a, a specific way, but you know, it has consequences because time has a funny way of correcting itself. Yeah. Yeah. It's kind of like final destination. Yeah. Yeah, That's, uh, yeah. It was basically like final destination, but with witches. Um, Yeah. Yeah. That's, that's kind of the vibe that I got. Um, So uh, it looks like episode seven might be the only episode that's uh that doesn't have a story in it because this is the one where uh dr stanton catches them like uh they uh not catches them like while they're in the club but she catches them doing the ritual right yeah so all along in between them like telling these stories um they're also finding out more and more in real life or like in between their sessions of the Midnight Club, they're finding out more and more about this um, cult that used to exist in the same house. Mm-hmm. And um, Ilanka found an old book in the library, and she's also been talking to a neighbor um, that's giving her some hints into um, what some of the symbols and some of the things going on in the house could be. Right. Um, 
And so um, based on this book that Alonka found in the library, um, Anya is getting worse. So they've decided that they're going to attempt this ritual. Yeah. And so they're all down in this creepy basement where this old cult apparently used to meet and they're making sacrifices um, and like putting blood into like a cup and all kinds of weirdness. That was a really cool sequence where you you got to see like a, you know, one by one uh, each member come up and they gave like a like the tiniest backstory about their their item their token that they were putting into the fire as a sacrifice uh and it was maybe two or three sentences but like they were they were so heartbreaking like uh well if you think about it i'm assuming i mean you know they're sharing rooms into the bright cliff so -hmm. it's not like they can bring a whole lot of stuff with them right so i'm sure anything that they had with them was carefully selected and Right, yeah. So, um, but you, like you, what's part of what's so heartbreaking about it is, you know, they're they're doing all this for Anya uh, to to try and make her feel better uh, and to heal her. Yeah, sorry, poor choice of words. Um, and the cherry on top is that they are all sacrificing all these personal items. That means so much to them to just to get her to, you know, to, to attempt to heal her. Um, so that's very, very interesting. Um, let's see. <clears throat> um, so in episode eight, that's, uh, that's where uh, Alonka overhears Dr. Stanton about uh, uh, that someone would... What, what did you call it? The, the spontaneous... Remission. Yeah. Uh, Alonka overhears Dr. Santon on the phone about the spontaneous remission for one of the members at Brightcliffe. Uh, and then the, the story, which isn't technically a Midnight Club story, but it was uh, the one that Natsuki was planning on uh, telling... She just decides to tell a mesh because I think at this point they're officially dating, right? Or you know, uh, well, there's definitely flirting going on. Yeah, and then it leads to Bangin, <laughs> which I think Alonka the the next episode like I think she walks in on and that that funny moment. But uh, the this that was the story about the 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 pair of hitchhikers. Yes. Um. And uh, I, uh, I honestly Freedom Jack and yeah, Puppy, right? Yeah, Puppy something. I can't really remember too much about that. Do you remember anything? Like, I just remember them like being cool at the beginning, and then I was like, "Well, you never pick pick up hitchhikers, like so. This is probably go- going to eventually go badly." Um, so what happens is, um, this girl goes out to her car and gets in to her car. Um, and it shows her getting in without like her opening the garage door. Oh, and then, shit. yeah, that's right. And then it shows her like, um, driving off and eventually she picks up these hitchhikers and it's talking about how she likes to take long drives at night. Um, 
so she picks up these hitchhikers and um she's trying to like change uh like what's going on mm-hmm. and like uh one of them is like really creepy freedom jack is like really creepy and then um, he's a big creeper yeah um and then what was her name poppy some poppy something yeah um she uh is trying to be like hey i think we need to try to like get away from this dude or um like don't follow him and it, they're kind of like playing like one's a devil and one's an angel yeah um kind of thing um so at the end of the story it founds out that everything that she's experiencing is like a hallucination mm-hmm. and she's still in the garage and right. she was actually um attempting suicide yeah um in her story she changes it so that um she gets out of the car and and opens it, the garage door right but she tells Amesh what really happened was like I think her mom or her sister or I think her mom came home yeah and opened the garage door for her and that's like the only reason that she survived mm-hmm. um so this was kind of based off of personal experience to some degree right uh um, did she say that that was a contributing factor to her terminal illness or was that just a uh, another thing i think she's always had like a lot of depression okay and um and like anxiety about things and then of course when she got sick it got worse yeah um and like she's asian and i don't want to like stereotype people but i think they have a harder time um acknowledging like mental health in Mm-hmm. Asian families and so like she keeps trying to like reach out to her mom and say hey you know I'm really struggling like I'm really depressed and her mom you know it's like oh you're fine blah 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 you're great yeah and yeah so I don't think um the suicide attempt was like what caused her to be sick or anything I think and I could be wrong um but I think you know she was just going through a really low point and um she tried to commit suicide because you know she has um depression yeah so yeah that's uh yeah that that was that was a interesting one um it was spooky mm-hmm. like for sure yeah yeah definitely i uh when i saw her get in the car in the uh, and it was in the garage all just just that alone, like bells were going off in my head, like, uh, what's going on here? And then, you know, we, like you said, we never see her actually leave the garage. You know, the, just the next shot is her on the road. And I was like, Hmm. <laughs> and then, you know, the, the, the two hitchhikers, they're, they're just weird. And they're like polar opposites. Like the more that they talk, you realize how different they are. And you're like, okay, this is, this is officially weird. Um. Uh, episode nine uh, was was another great uh, story, uh, and that was from Spencer uh, with the 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 haunted VCR or whatever. Yeah, uh, yeah. Um, you know, and it, I I'm glad that they uh, 
I'm glad, and, and I was happy about the the gay stuff that they they snuck in here. Um, the, it was it was pretty subtle, especially for um, this having supposed to take place in the '90s, which uh, you know, and still in the middle of the AIDS crisis, um, people were uh, not super friendly to openly gay people or anyone who looked like they could potentially be gay. Um, so like two dudes like hanging out in a corner booth. Yeah. Um, but you know, they, they started, you know, fucking over that dude. Uh, uh, yeah. You know, getting his money (laughs) from the football game. You know, they turns out. So what happens is like they end up being able to see the future. Um, by recording the TV onto a VCR. <laughs> Hello, early nineties. <laughs> yeah, I um, I'm kind of curious if uh, you know younger generations like watch this, and I mean, you know, what what do you think the percentages of like youngsters like knowing what a VCR is? I mean, like, I think they're gonna know what it is. I mean, we know what an A track is. We know what records are. Sure. Um, so I, I mean, I think they're going to know what it is, but it's just, um, me like, but have I ever used one? No, of course not. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. Uh, but yeah, this, this was, and it took a very interesting turn. Um, but again, with the time travel and yeah, like, but at the same time, like it, it was like you, you get to the twist, which is, you know, the, the, the guy in the, the brown robe or whatever is, um, you know, his, his boyfriend from, from the, the future, future, uh, trying to stop him. And, you know, all the while you, you see like the, the Terminator and aliens posters, like in his dorm room and stuff. Yeah. So, you know, all these sci-fi, uh, movies that have to do with time travel, um, or, you know, similar topics. And, um, yeah, I, I thought this one was pretty good too. Um, I, I really, it was it. a really good story and I did appreciate like them sneaking in some of the history, um, of like what was going on at the time. Um, like they went to, um, make posters, um, for a gay rights rally. Mm-hmm. Um, and um him like really like confronting his mom like and telling her like you know i'm not gonna hide who i am and he told her that he loved her um and that he was going to die basically and um he was like i'm not asking you to change you know who you are and I would like the same, like, respect. And it's pretty cool because yeah. she ended up coming to, like, visit him the next time. Yeah, that was. Um, so it did have a good payoff. Um, but, yeah, I mean, I, I, I think it was, you know, very v- valid, like, point And really helped you, like, place this in time. Yeah. Um, because now, I mean... I mean, it's no big deal to hear, like, teenagers in high school to talk about, oh, you know, my friend is gay or my friend is trans or whatever. Mm-hmm. You hear people speak about it all the time. But, 
you know, in the 80s and 90s, nope. you kept that shit on the down low. Yeah. <laughs> um, um, yeah. Unless you really wanted to be treated horribly. And then if you did happen to catch AIDS, um, then that was even worse for you because not only are you suffering with something that at the time had no cure, mm-hmm. um, if you do let someone know, um, then you're ostracized even more. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. Uh, so the, the last episode, episode 10, this has Kevin finishing his story, uh, with the serial killer, uh, that has a fantastic ending. You know, he's, he's just about to, uh, to hit, um, his, you know, very new girlfriend in the head with a hammer when he, he basically confesses via like showing her the, the chat from what was that Einstein or whatever? Yeah. Uh, I don't remember anything like that, uh, but it, it, it might've been a thing. And it is, um, I mean, I probably didn't get my com- first computer in our home until probably late 90s. Yeah, that's about when we got ours. Um, so it may just be a thing that was just before uh, my time. Yeah. Uh, yeah, and that is when we we learn, um, you know, you elaborated on this a little bit earlier, but that's when we learn that this is a thing that is kind of passed down from generation to generation and it's you know basically a spirit that leaves the body of one person uh of the the older uh, generation uh member and goes into the the younger the more able-bodied person that can smack people in the head with a hammer yes uh and then um alanka she finishes her witch story um and uh yeah that's um that's all she wrote and then Everyone cries, and I cried, and you cried, and we all cried. <laughs> um, just like all them gathering, like you know, dumping her ashes into the the pond or the the lake or whatever that was. Um, and then outside of the story, the you know the big thing was, uh, the the ballerina with the foot reattached. Yes. So, like, the big payoff was um, Anya this whole time had been promising that, you know, she's if she's able to come back, she's going to do something tangible that you can actually hold in her hands as proof yep. that she's come back from the other side. Mm-hmm. Um, and this statue that she had of the ballerina, it kind of repairs itself at the end, which is a big, big deal because... You know, it was broken. It, go, it folds into her story from a tale of two Danas. It um, folds into some real life background that we found out about her and her good friend, Rhett. Mm-hmm. And, um, yeah, so we get that payoff at the end as well that um, that apparently she was able to send some sort of message to them. Right. That apparently she feels whole again. I guess. Yeah, that that sequence was absolutely fucking incredible. Where it, it, the the episode starts out, I think it was nine, maybe or, or it was ten. It was, was the very it? last one. Mm-hmm. Uh, where it starts out, and you know she's a, a cashier checkout girl, uh, and oh, you mean Anya's episode seven? Yeah, yeah, it's 
Yeah. Mm-hmm. Where she, um, they kind of make it look like she, she survived and this is, you know, a year or two later and she, she now has a job and she's living on her own or in some sort of like, um, you know, halfway house or, or whatever. And she's, she's got a prosthetic leg and it like it, it's so cool how it starts out very, very real and grounded in reality. Like you, you just, you're, you don't question it whatsoever. I mean, I, I didn't like, I was fully enthralled in, in, in this story. And then like little things start to feel off and it suddenly just goes off the rails where you're like, okay, something's not right here. Like she's, <laughs> she's either, dead. She's dreaming or she's dead or like everyone else is dead and she's still alive or like what the hell is going on? But yeah, turns out that she, yeah, she was dead. Um, and uh, yeah, the um, yeah. So um one thing I wanted to ask you, this was something I, I don't think we had talked about yet. Uh, the the old uh, the old woman and the old man. Uh, Alonka sees the old woman, and mm-hmm. what uh, what's his name? Kevin. Kevin sees sees the old dude. What's up with that? Did did they ever explain that? I don't think they did. But yeah, um, what the fuck is going so on? That that was. The guy, the woman, and the man who built the house originally. Okay. Um, I think their names was Brightcliff, I think. Yeah, that makes um, sense. And there's like a newspaper clipping on the wall, and it had pictures of them that right. we saw at one point. Um, I don't know why they're like haunting people mm-hmm. <laughs> um, in the house, but something did occur to me, and that's that... The ones who are seeing ghosts, I think, are the ones who are closer to death. Hmm. So, like, Anya started seeing ghosts and then passed. And uh, then was we she know. Seeing go- oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. She, she was seeing this, the, the shadows. shadows. Yeah. And then um, they talked about a previous resident, I think Tristan, I think, was um, also complaining about seeing shadows. Mm-hmm. And they were like, oh, it's probably medication or it's this or that. Or, you know, you know, they had cancer. So, you know, that was causing them to see things that weren't there. Mm-hmm. Um, so the fact that Kevin and Elanka are seeing ghosts, I don't think is a good sign for them. Yeah, that. Yeah, that makes sense. Actually, yeah, that's. Yeah, I buy that. I mean, I don't know for a fact, but that's just something like, um, because like, um, Amesh and even though his, his illness is picking up, we did get signs that he wasn't doing well, mm-hmm. but, um, most of the other characters completely denied like seeing anything Yeah, like when they brought up the ghost. Yeah. They seem pretty like, like they weren't fucking around they are like, yeah, like like we have this club to talk about ghosts, both real and imaginary in, in our stories. So we would have said something if, yeah, or we, we wouldn't bullshit you if. Yeah. And so, um, and we, we know that Kevin is, is not doing great. He, he'd already said he probably only has a few months left Mm -hmm. if that, um, yeah. 
I, I will so. say uh, uh, the their Midnight Club stories aside, uh, the old lady was the freakiest part of the show. <laughs> like, yeah, I know it got pre- you. Um, oh yeah, a bunch of times because I'm a chicken anyway. But <laughs> but yeah, she 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 keeps saying she's starving too, and so it's like yeah the 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 makeup uh, and effects that they did both practical and special effects that they did for her and for for the dude and the the shadow monster were fucking great. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They were they were awesome. Uh, let's see. I know we haven't talked too much about um. Julia Jane slash, uh, what what was um, Shasta? Shasta, yeah. Shasta. Um. Well, I want to talk about like the ending when when Doctor Stanton takes off her her wig. Oh yeah, yeah. That was uh, we find out that like she has a tattoo of the cult. Yeah, was there before? Hourglass symbol. Mm -hmm. And so I think that maybe she's Athena. Okay. Um, which we found out at one point there's this cult and it's like a mother and a daughter and the mother basically gets everyone to kill themselves in the cult so that she can retain healing or immortality or whatever. Right. And um, the daughter, whose real name is not Athena, but that was kind of like the goddess that she... Um, was taken the form of, I guess. Mm-hmm. Um, in this cult, it's all very strange. Um, yeah. she um tried to rescue like all the kids that were involved in the cult, and she kind of betrayed her mom and got DHS involved. But it was already too late. Like a lot of the women were already dead. Mm-hmm. So, um. So I think Dr. Stanton, um, like I said, I think she was part of that cult. And I think that's why, like, she's so angry. Like, when they don't want to, like, accept death, mm-hmm. like, that upsets her. Because not that they should just be like, oh, you know, I'm not going to try to get better. Or I'm just going to go quietly into the night or whatever. But that she wants them to understand that, like, death is a part of life and yeah, it's just and, part of the natural order of things right and to not be trying to like cheat it yeah like yeah you're disrupting the natural order like yeah. yeah um and so she's like trying to teach them to like um to be more at peace um with the process i guess for sure i re- i actually really liked her character like she was so calming uh that it put me on edge <laughs> like i was just it, it was the whole 10 episodes it was like waiting for the other shoe to drop like like she was just so chill like every conversation like i mean the only time where she got super intense was when you know she like backlashed at Alonka and um and that was pretty deserved yeah right yeah uh but for the most part she's she's pretty chill I I really liked her character and I think that she is and remains to be a pretty good person Mm -hmm. I think yeah 
But I mean, I don't know. Yeah. Who knows? We'll see. Yeah. I maybe. Uh, yeah. They, who knows what they're gonna do with the second season? I don't know. Yeah. If if they decide to do one, so. Um. Anyways. Uh. You got any more thoughts and uh, feelings or anything else to say? Uh, before we we can do our shit that doesn't suck real quick and and then pop off. Nope. Cool. Shit that doesn't suck. Yeah, like I, uh, you know, it's it's spooky season, so been watching nothing but uh, horror movies and shows. And aside from the Midnight Club, uh, that kind of put a, a damper on my my movie watching streak. Like, cause this just disrupted the whole thing. I mean, you know, we we binged it in like maybe three or four days. Three I days, I think. Yeah, uh, but I watched. I say I I watched the original Haunting, uh, based off of. Uh, Shirley Jackson's um, Haunting of Hill House uh, that was really cool and I just started listening to the audiobook for The Haunting of Hill House um, it's pretty good so far um, I, I guess the biggest one is Mr. Harrigan's phone that just came out on Netflix that's based off of a Stephen King short story um, I think it was a relatively recent one too but that's pretty cool. It's uh, it's got Donald Sutherland in it, and I I forget the actor's name, but he plays Bill in it uh, it chapter one. Um, but um, it, it's uh, it's pretty good. It's hard to go into detail about it uh, without giving away spoilers. So yeah, um, Lindsay, what you got? Um, She Hulk. That's right. She Hulk just wrapped. Yes. Yeah. It was uh, it change of pace right yeah you know um but i really liked it yeah like it was funny it had you know all the metaverse moments um and i mean like if i could have my dream show slash movie slash whatever it would be like Tony still being alive and all the Avengers like living in the tower together mm-hmm. and then them just like learning like how to deal with each other. Yeah. You, you like the day to day stuff that, that gets explored within the, um, yeah. Well the like fan fiction. Yes. Like Tony dealing with his um, PTSD and mm-hmm. um, you know, cap trying to figure out email and <laughs> <laughs> I email a raccoon. Nothing is weird. Yeah. Um, and just like all those like little like nuances that these characters are going to have to go through. Um, uh, I think would be like a really fun show. And this kind of reminded me of that in some ways. Like there was just a lot of like joking around. You found out Bruce has a cousin. You find out, you know, he has a son. You, you know. All kinds of stuff. So, yeah, so weird. Yeah, I, I'm assuming we're gonna get more info on that at some point. We'll yeah. see. Uh, I, I I imagine so because that's kind of a weird uh, bombshell to just drop. Be like, hey, you know, like by the way, I got a son. Yeah, I'm assuming World War Hulk or uh, Planet Hulk. Yeah, something like that. Yeah, I he- I've heard rumors. Yeah. Um. 
Yeah, I feel like we're due for a Hulk solo film, right? Yeah, makes sense. Um, yeah, I I dug it. It's uh, yeah, it's it's not my favorite, but it's it was good. I liked it. I, I appreciated the change of pace in uh, in storytelling and and whatnot. Sometimes it just seems like everyone's determined to um dislike the female superheroes. Yeah. Um, but like I said, I mean, I don't know. She seemed to roll down to earth. She actually made a lot of sense. Like she was trying to go after them legally, which mm-hmm. is what she knows mm-hmm. rather than just Hulk smashing everyone. <laughs> right. Yeah. <laughs> and then that's what she ends up doing in the end out of frustration. And, you know, that's what lands her in hot water. And, um, yeah, I, I I liked it a lot. I, I feel like if I watched it again, I'd probably appreciate it a little bit more. So I'll I'll probably try to rewatch it here soon. So yeah. Uh, but yeah, that's um. I guess that's it. Uh, yeah. For for this episode. Um, if you made it this far, thank you so much for tuning in. Uh, make sure to like and subscribe if you haven't already. Leave us a rating review and review on uh, Apple Podcast. Uh, Spotify, Stitcher. Um, I don't know. There's there's a couple other out there that that take reviews and ratings. Um, but yeah, I think that's gonna be it. Be kind, stay geeky, and eat lots of cheesecake. Bye. Bye.